Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry at Midwestern Seminary, uh, author in residence, and I'm here across the virtual table, as always, with my colleague, my friend, Ronnie Kurtz, who is the director of marketing. Did I get that right? I would think about that up. Close. Assistant Director of Marketing. Assistant. Assistant to the Traveling Secretary. That's right. That, that's a Seinfeld <laughs> reference for all millennials. Uh, the office would be what? Assistant to the Assistant or something like that? Assistant to the Regional Manager is Dwight. Assistant to the Regional Manager. So Assistant Director of Marketing. Uh, also a PhD student and a pastor at Emmaus Church in North Kansas City. Um, Ronnie, how you been? It's been a while since we've since we've done this. It has been, Jared. It's been, it's been too long. And I've I got to tell you, man, I'm doing these over video like this. I'm missing seeing your face in person. Yeah, it's weird. I, I hope by the next time we, we do another recording session, we can actually be in, in the room together. The The office is opened up, right? You're back in the office today? Yeah, we technically open up tomorrow. So most employees come back tomorrow at, at the time of this recording. I gotcha. I gotcha. So yeah, I mean, by, um, by the time somebody hears this, there, there may be a lot that has changed or or maybe not, but so you're not in Branson anymore. Last time I was talking to you, you, <laughs> you guys had gone full prepper out, out in yeah, the, man. <laughs> yeah, we saw our window and we were out of here now. Yeah. We're back and, uh, yeah, doing well, man. Our family's doing well. My wife's still pregnant. So oh. it's an interesting time for pregnancy, you know, the, the coronavirus stuff. So, oh, but everyone's man. doing well. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how far along is she? Uh, she's about 25 weeks. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm 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 bad at math. How how uh, how, how much longer is that? <laughs> I know nine months. How many weeks well, is that? 36? Yeah, typically thirty. Yeah, forty is kind of normal. So that's okay. Kind of do some math there, but we're okay. a little over halfway. That's what that means, Jared. That's good. Okay. <laughs> well, man, that's why you're the assistant to the traveling assistant director. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. you know you know all the math. You know how to crunch the numbers. <laughs> That's another good office reference, Jared. I'm proud of you. That's two. Is that an office reference? Crunch the numbers? I don't even know. Yeah. When Michael tries to make his own paper company and they're going bankrupt and he's talking to the accountant and he says, could you crunch the numbers? And he says, actually, that, that doesn't do anything. And he says, just crunch them again. No, nope, you're still in debt. <laughs> That's great. That's great. No, I had no idea. I, I mean, I saw every office episode when, you know, when it was on, when it was on broadcast. Yeah. And I've, I never went back, you know, like I saw every episode, but I don't have this instant recall because I didn't watch reruns. Yeah. I've maybe caught an episode here and there. My kids kind of got into it for a little while. And yeah, so I basically saw recalling a scene from the office for just about every life circumstances is just about my spiritual gift. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. For me, it would probably be Seinfeld. Yeah. And yeah. I, I used to be able to do it for the Simpsons, but I have not seen like the last probably 10 years of, of the Simpsons. It's been on for I think 30 years now or something. It's the, the longest running, continuously running sitcom or something. Um, so it's been a, a, you know, over a decade. But once upon a time, I thought if I ever had to, had to go on a game show and you had like, you pick your area where they like give you trivia questions, I, I would have picked The Simpsons <laughs> from those first probably 10. I didn't know that about you. <laughs> but it's been a long time. So I, I, I certainly wouldn't hold up today because it's just yeah. too long and that there's only so much room, you know, the brain can hold. <laughs> I, I get it, man. I get mine's basically filled with baseball knowledge and office trivia. That's totally useless. So that's great. Well, you got to have something to kind of occupy your mind. That's uh, right. Hey, we're talking about um, on today's episode, 
how pastors study the Bible. And th- the way I kind of came up with this topic was just thinking about a very common question um, that I get from time to time. Maybe you've heard it as well. Or or like me, you you also at one point even kind of wrestled with this. So basically, do do pastors study the Bible differently than their congregation study the Bible? And it's somewhat precipitated by this question. Um, should my devotional time be my sermon prep time? Or can I use my sermon prep time as my devotional time? Or is that kind of like cheating or, or, or something <laughs> like that? Um, it's, it, yeah, it basically comes from conflicted pastors who are concerned about um, double dipping or, or, yeah, kind of circumventing their own personal um, you yeah. know, study. So can study time double as devotional time and vice versa? What would you say just to that general question of, of how you know, pastors should spend their time in the Word? Yeah, honestly, I I don't want to make this act sound like I'm making light of the question because it's a good question and it's one we should consider. But I just I just cannot conceive of how that's possible. I cannot conceive of how it's possible to to not have study time be devotional or study time be kind of bleeding into sermon prep time and vice versa. It's just the the way that I see the scriptures just doesn't really have categories that I can compartmentalize like that, where it's this time I sit down with the text is sermon prep. This time I sit down with the text is devotional. This time I sit down with the text is study. It it just doesn't really work like that for me. And maybe it does for other people the way they think, but maybe even Jared, it might even be kind of my conviction, the $5 theological word here, but my conviction about the ontology of the Bible or the, the, what the Bible is. Right. And I think, I think answering what the Bible is honestly has a lot of really helpful ramifications for what we do with it. And when we realize what the Bible is, is the inspired word of God, right? That's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Uh, that's going to change how we handle it. And, and I think knowing what it is, informing how, what you do with it kind of brings down some of those uh, some of those dichotomies that, that we build up in our own minds. Well, would you say that it, it's it's necessary for a pastor to have time in the Word every day, um, whether you call it your quiet time or your your you know personal devotional time that is not directly applicable or directly leveraged towards their you know their weekly sermon or another kind of lesson or study that they're going to present to their church. Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I think I would answer it out of both sides of my mouth, if you'll allow me to do that, Jared. <laughs> Why not? Hey. Yeah, hey, we make the rules around here. Yeah, I would say, go ahead. I was going to say, you're a marketer, so you're used to you know spinning things. <laughs> that's basically what I do for a living, Jared. That's right. No, I would say out of one side of my mouth, it's not necessary. Because the reading time that you use for the prep for sermons and studies should be devotional. I would say out of the other side of my mouth, it is necessary in the sense that if the only if the only way you're reading the scriptures is through the lens of how does this apply to other people, uh, such that you're only seeking light and not heat for yourself, you know, you're only seeking intellectual understanding as opposed to like emotional stirring or affection stirring or something like that. Uh, I think actually we end up having really inefficient and ineffective pastors when they do that because what I see happening is almost like a uh, pastoral ministry becomes kind of like a light switch. You know, you have to kind of like turn it on 
And then when you're, when it's on, you have to be somebody you're not, which is a person who's really about the word, really about Jesus, really about the gospel. But if you have consistent devotional time where you're just intaking the word normally in a, in a normal everyday rhythm, ministry is not something you turn on. It's kind of an overflow of who you are. You're always around the scriptures. You're always around Jesus. You're always around his gospel. And it come, it makes much more effective ministers if they're in the word normally outside of prep time. Yeah. So I said, what say you, Jared? <laughs> well, you said um, basically my own thoughts. You've reflected my own thoughts on, on, on the matter. I, I would add that I think the question sort of presupposes a, I think a false dichotomy between um, not just devotional study, but even like pastoral work and, and, and work in general where um, it, it, it almost reflects a professionalization of, uh, of ministry, right? So, uh, you know, pastoral ministry is not a normal job. I mean, it, it, it's, it's work. It's, uh, it's valuable work. It's, it's, you know, it's a vocation, um, and yet to kind of parse out, right, the minutes you spend here versus the minutes you spend there, it, it's it's similar to me, uh, you know, to kind of the concern folks have about how many hours their pastor's working and having to clock in and clock out. And, and you know, I always want to say to those folks, um, you know, if you have a lazy pastor, you, you have a lazy pastor. If he, you know, is, you know, uh, carrying out a dereliction of duty, he, he's, you know, he's a derelict. But most pastors and, you know, faithful pastors, um, you don't want to know all the hours. <laughs> like if they, are they supposed to clock in at two in the morning when they get that phone call? Are they supposed to, you know, um, the number of minutes that they're working, it, it's just not that kind of job. You, you're always on. And so when you're a pastor, there's not like I've clocked in and I've clocked out. There are times, of course, where you need to, you know, get some distance and, uh, you know, rest from your labors and, and, and all those sorts of things disconnect in the right ways. But in general, it, it's not that kind of job. And so t- to say this, you know, Bible time is for me and this Bible time is to be used for my, you know, performance or, or for my job duties. I think that's drawing too narrow a line, as you said, that that should be bleeding one into the other. So I'm I'm kind of ambivalent about whether you, you know, a pastor has a, a separate time that doesn't have, any, you know, with the word that doesn't have any bearing on, um, you know, the, the, the weekly sermon or anything like that, direct bearing. What I'm saying is you're in the, to be in the word constantly and all your time in the word should be devotional. <laughs> That's right. So yep. whether it's explicitly intentionally sermon prep or not, um, you're no good to your church if you're not stewarding all of your time in the word. Amen. Towards adoration of God, that it's not, you know, a worshipful and, and a personal, you know, because you can't feed people with what you haven't been feeding on yourself. You, you can't lead them to graze into fields that you don't graze in. Um, it just comes out of you or it should, right? So I think we've kind of settled that question, which is to say, we don't need to have a strict understanding of what you're to do and not do and what goes to them and what goes to you. But all of it, you, you know, all, all of it is is applicable, uh, personally devotional, and stewarded towards the spiritual benefit of your congregation. Because even if I'm, you know, spending time in the Word and it's not for a, I'm not studying for a sermon or something like that, it's shaping me into the kind of person who yeah. will 
lead my people well, who will love my people well. So it's all being stewarded towards the benefit of your church. That's right. So you, you just can't really draw tight lines. Okay, so let's kind of shift this to talk about then how to study the Bible, right? So uh, for some pastors who maybe need some help kind of getting outside the utilitarian use of the scriptures, because this could be a common thing um, as we drift into just the routines of ministry, and we end up just spending time in the Word for prep on our next project, next sermon, next uh, Bible study. And we kind of lose sight. You know, we, we begin to use the Word um, and, and come at it somewhat pragmatically. How are some ways that you have, um, or what are some le- ways that you've used to kind of work against that, that drift, that tendency in your, in your own study? Yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, a lot of it comes back to some of that um, earlier topic that I mentioned, that, that old Puritan prayer that the Lord would give the minister of the word, both heat and light. Uh, I really do think that is an important, helpful distinction. Heat being a passion for the word, uh, an affection for the word, an affection for the things the words are telling us to do and uh, what the word is showing, which is ultimately Jesus Christ. And light being understanding, you know, intellectual comprehension, these kinds of things. And uh, yeah, my, my conviction is that when I'm looking at the book, when I'm looking at the pages of scripture, I am desperately after both of those realities. And what you said is exactly right, Jared. If both of those start happening within me, there, there's heat in the heart and light in the head. And I, I'm having my affection stirred for the word in the word. Uh, meaning Jesus by the scriptures, and I'm understanding intellectually what's happening, what what's the flow of the argument, how this passage connects to that passage, how the whole how that passage connects to the whole canon, how that fits systematically within the, the the teachings of Christian doctrine. Well, I can't help but to be more effective as a pastor when all of that's happening. And now that that might not seem uber practical, but what what that ends up meaning is. I have to have regular rhythms within the scriptures. And so some of the practical rhythms that I have in the scriptures is one, just a regular reading time. Let me just say as an aside, pastors, this is this might seem silly, um, not overly academic. It might seem uh, pretty low level stuff here, but I think it's, it's worthy of being said. In Hebrews 6, right? We don't know who wrote that book. We don't really know who it was written to. We don't even know what kind of genre Hebrews is. We basically know nothing about the book of Hebrews. <laughs> what we do know is that it's a beautiful book. And in that beautiful book, in chapter 6, whoever wrote it instructs the hearers that they should be moving on beyond elementary doctrine. And they should be moving on to full maturity beyond elementary doctrine. He then lists, or she, whoever wrote it, then lists what the elementary doctrines are, something like laying on of hands, repentance from dead works, resurrection of the dead. Those are not necessarily elementary doctrines to me, but I get what he's saying. (laughs) He says, let's move on from these elementary doctrines. And then he says this really important clause. And a lot of people, I think, miss it. He says, and we will do this if God permits. If God permits. And so while I am, um, you know, one to care about the intellectual life, being a PhD student and wanting to teach vocationally, um, people are are tempted to make Bible study just an academic exercise, but I think it's a spiritual exercise. And listen, pastor, you're only going to gain wisdom if God permits. And so I would begin the study, especially study on the one who is the treasure of treasures, Jesus Christ, by going to him and and just begging, 
pleading at the throne room, give me wisdom for the sake of your glory, for the sake of your people, for, for the sake of my joy, give me wisdom. And one of the things that I have seen in my own life is when I actually plead with the Lord to give me wisdom as I open the book, it happens. Reading prayerfully is is so vital to the, the kind of you know Bible study that conforms us into the image of Christ, isn't it? That um, that we would be asking the Lord to help us un- to understand it. That we we we'd be asking the Lord to help us apply it. That we we'd be asking the Lord to show us Christ in the text. To me, that was the big turning point um, fifteen years or so ago in how I began using the Bible in ministry versus how I began to um, just draw real strength from it was turning that corner to see that Christ is the point of all of scripture and to begin looking for him. And when you start doing that, you know, um, you, you, you're kind of like Bambi out on the ice. You may not have all the right, you know, you're not making the right connections maybe, or you're seeing things that really aren't there. And, and these are all the concerns that people have about, you know, you know, Christ centered, um, you know, hermeneutics and, and what have you. Um, but you, you can work through that. You get better at it. You, you ref, you know, you study more and other things and, and that helps you kind of refine how to find, as Spurgeon says, the road to Christ, um, from many texts. And so it's not necessarily that he's hidden there in some, you know, reference to a color or so, or, or something <laughs> like that, but there is a connection. It, it, it's all exactly. building up to the climactic announcement of him. And that was, was like a sea change for me in, in Bible study. It, it, it really rejuvenated my approach to study, not just for sermons and things, but just my own personal study. So that'd be the first kind of tip that I would give in terms of enhancing or, or mm-hmm. kind of reinvigorating your personal devotions is begin looking for Jesus or finding the ways that your text that you're looking at somehow connects or climaxes in Jesus. But as you mentioned yeah. as well, just asking the Lord, right? You know, praying through the text, turning the, you know, the words itself into a, a, a prayer, either asking for that wisdom, uh, you know, asking for that growth, um, but also just um, that, that God's glory would be seen, that, that God's will would be known through your ministry, through your life. All of that, I think, is, is, is a way of, um, as the psalmist says, delighting That's in right. the word. Yeah. You know, I delight in your word. Um, but I think another, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say another, another kind of little hack, I think that a lot of folks, even like, you know, have figured out, teachers have figured out is study the text, whether you plan to use it in a lesson or not, study it as if you're studying it to teach it. So whether that means you're making little notes or you're, you're finding out how to kind of articulate it. Um, if you study something as if you're going to teach it, you learn it a lot better than if you're just reading it kind of blankly. Yeah. What were yeah, you going to say, brother? There's a pressure on you that you just, you're kind of forced to, you know. And if our first premise is right, Jared, that we argued that your um, intellectual study or utilitarian study should be devotional, well, that forces you to be in the Word. So the other thing I was going to say is I, I have found it helpful, you know, if you're an elementary school student or a middle school student and you're in math, well, your teacher is probably going to say something like, show your work, you know, and that, that's, uh, they're basically wanting you to leave the trail of crumbs to show them that you actually know how to, how to get there. And I have found a similar phrase to be helpful, basically the idea of showing my work when it comes to Bible study, because I, I have a fear that a line that my congregants often mean as a compliment is not a compliment. And that <laughs> line is this, 
Pastor, thank you for opening up the word. I don't think I would have ever gotten that out of the text. Oh, wow. And I know what they mean by that. that <laughs> right. they're, trying to, they're trying to compliment what I've done, you know, in the pulpit or in the classroom or something. And, but I actually don't want them to have that reaction. I want them to hear me exposit or expound, you know, a doctrine or a text and say, oh, I see what he's doing. And not only do I understand his conclusions, I, I think I could do that. Like, I think I could do that myself back at home. I could get the same thing out of the text he just did because he's kind of showing me how to do it along the way. And I think if we show our work along the way and then bring that to bear, obviously you don't want to spend, you know, 20 minutes of your sermon time saying, and then I turned this commentary, right. <laughs> listen to this sermon, right? That would be obnoxious yeah. for everybody. But if you can kind of take them by the hand, you know, whether they be students or, or um, church members or what have you, and, and show them how you got there, I think you actually end up doing a lot better for them long-term than just giving them the truth. I think so. I think you're right. Um, you know, and, and every qualified pastor is, is able to teach. And so in, in your study time, it, it just comes natural. The things that even you mean for your personal use um, end up being, um, you know, somewhat parceled out towards either the spiritual benefit of your people or, um, you know, more specifically the teaching uh, you know, the educational benefit of your people, because just like, you know, every pastor is a dangerous man at the dinner table when his kids start talking because illustration ideas are now, <laughs> you know, you're just gleaning everything. Um, a pastor should be a dangerous man reading that Bible because yeah. everything can be used, right? If if you have the ability to teach, that's not simply a skill set, you know, a rhetorical ability. Um, it, I, it really is a, a gift. It is um, a means of you know, being able to understand God's word or have the tools to, you know, to understand it and then being able to see, to, you know, to translate that into the benefit of your church and, and to the edification of other Christians. So it's just hard to turn that off. You know, if you've, you know, if you're saying this morning, I'm going to be reading an Exodus and it's just for me, the guy who's able to teach is picking up little things here and there. Oh man, I could use that here. I could think of, you know, I can apply this to that, or this would be a good story to tell in relation to this other passage, or it's just, it's just hard to turn that off. And so I think the the bottom line, we would just encourage pastors not to draw, you know, strict lines between what's for you and what's for your church in terms of your uh, uh, Bible study, but also um, in that same vein, to to steward all of your time in the Word devotionally, um, in terms of your affections for Christ, and um, to your building up as a pastor, that you're you know becoming equipped as a shepherd more and more as you're in the Word. Any final thoughts on this for our listeners? No, I, I love what you said there, Jared. I think that's good. I would just encourage our our brothers uh, who are pastors to the podcast just to to be a man of the book. And I know that's a simple exhortation, but it's an exhortation we all need to hear is your life and actions and affections and relationships and ministry should be defined by the book. And so uh, a final concluding word is just be a man of the book. That's a great word to end on. Hey, listener, if you've enjoyed what you hear, please share us with your friends. Give us a good review on iTunes and any other podcast platform where you partake of this audio experience. Ronnie, do you know there's some guy who left a review, a one-star review on iTunes? Are you serious? Yeah, he's really upset about one of our episodes. He was wrong. His facts were wrong. He said we didn't mention certain things that we did mention. 
Okay. So there, there's cats out there giving us bad reviews based on on bad information. So we really need our listeners <laughs> to step up. My this favorite, my favorite was um, a, a review. It was kind of an average review. It wasn't bad. wasn't great. And it's basically, I, I I like the podcast, and I'll I'll keep listening. He said, so long as Jared never records another solo episode. <laughs> Oh, my so I'm glad you're here, brother. I'm glad we even over Skype, we can connect because we would lose this guy if it was just me, man. And I, I got to share. I'm with him. I, I do not that like being the lone voice. I think they sound awkward. I, listen, I don't listen I, to podcasts that are, you know, one guy talking. So thank you for being here, man. You're saving man, my bacon. My honor. I'll tell you, I, me and uh, as, when we recorded this, I don't know if you've been watching the last dance documentary. Jared, yes. But me and my wife have been watching it every Sunday. And the last few episodes were a couple days ago or last night. And when Steve Kerr hit that game-winning shot, when he gave his speech in Grand Park in Chicago and said, yeah. here I am to bail out Michael Jordan, <laughs> that's basically what's happening on this podcast. Oh, Steve break. Kerr bailing out Michael Jordan. <laughs> so you don't get a, an average review again. I, I appreciate that word. So, l- listeners, look, you, you've got to combat this negativity that's out there. There's people... <laughs> being really willy-nilly with their bad reviews, and, and so you can help us out. Um, but in any event, whether you, you you don't have to earn our love, you don't have to earn, to earn our, our blessing, uh, whether you give us a review or not, thank you for listening, and until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.